Hey, welcome back to uh, week number four of a, I'm not quite sure how long series we've called Divine uh, Direction, coming back after Mother's Day. I hope your Mother's Day was fantastic. And uh, our team did such a fantastic job. I was so proud of them and got to see some of our church family came by and got a gift. I hope that you got a gift and uh, it was just a wonderful time. And we're getting back. Come on, I got a little studio audience. We're starting to gather people again, people who feel safe. We're kind of, we're still distancing, not socially, but we certainly have physical distance a little bit. And I know the question on your mind is when do we go back to church? And, uh, and I want to give you the, the best answer is as soon as possible that we can do it safely and with strength. I've told you from the beginning, that's our two metrics that we're looking through. I feel like our team's put together a very comprehensive safety plan. Uh, we just wanna make sure in our city that we're complying with our government regulations to do it with strength. I want the same city hills that you walked out of to be the city hills that you walk back into. I want it to feel like home. I want it to have kids ministry. I want you to feel safe that your babies are there. I want us to be able to worship and not pass out in mass. Come on, somebody. So uh, anyway, so I, I'm, I'm, I hope in the next several days to be able to give you a very firm, what I think is going to be a very exciting announcement about our reopen plan. So just hang on. In the meantime, grab your Bibles. We are in week four of... Uh, this series talking about making decisions. The decisions that we make today determine the lives we live tomorrow. We said that several weeks ago. And it's true in the last several weeks we sort of talked about how, how I'm becoming the person God wants me to be, especially in this season. Not just asking God, what do you want me to do in this season? How we've talked about trusting the process. A few weeks ago we talked about trusting the process. And that's probably the hardest thing for me to do, honestly. So much so, I've never really done this. I've been a drive through guy. I know it's hard to tell by looking at me, but um, I've been a drive through guy. But, but I'm so impatient now in the process of waiting in a drive through because everybody else is in the drive through that I've started like ordering all my food on the app and I want it to be waiting uh, for me when I get there. Is anybody else using this? And then I found out I could get points for it. There's nothing like a fat kid who realizes food gets me more food. So like that's, this is good, good living I'm living in right now. So trusting the process is hard for me. Maybe it's hard for you that you know that God has a plan and a process in your life that you can't always go from where I am to where God wants me to be overnight there's a process and today I want to push you a little bit further in that direction I want to push you out of your comfort zone I want to call you out of that into what I'm calling if you're taking notes write this down into what I'm calling that faith zone of divine direction that faith zone where you get out of the comfort zone you've been in into the calling you know God's talked to you about so here's my presumption over the last four weeks of the series that God's already talked to you about something that you probably on week one sort of knew the decision that it was that was in your heart that you say, man, I got to think through this. I really need God's help on this. What do we do about this? And I want to push you out of the nest a little bit and say that callings and comfort zones rarely go hand in hand. Rarely does the thing God called me to do fit inside of the comfort zone where I'm most comfortable. Is that true for anybody else? Like it's just, it's just, it's just not that way. And maybe, maybe you're, you're deciding in this season something like starting school. In the fall, you're hoping they start school for your babies because if not, you're sending them jokers to the military or something. You know what I mean? Like, we're getting out of here. Somebody's doing something in the fall, but maybe think about going back to school or, or maybe it's a job change. I heard a lot of people in this season who have been afforded the opportunity, maybe through a furlough or layoff, to really think, what am I going to do now for my career? Do I want to go back to that job? Or is there something else I could be doing? Maybe it's something like serving on the dream team. I think that's the best thing that you could do. Or maybe it's an outreach. I love the outreach programs we have going on right now. I love the hundreds and hundreds of people every week we're ministering to and touching. Maybe God's calling you in that area or in a small group. Brandon and I lead a small group. We have since we started 
uh, City Hills every semester, and so many of you are in small groups, maybe God's talking to you about joining one or leading one, or maybe it's in tithing, you're trying to make a decision, I don't know what to do here, this seems difficult, but you see God calling you out of that comfort zone, or maybe it's dating, come on, all the ugly people, this is your chance, God's calling you out of your comfort zone, and or maybe you've been hurt before, I know we kind of make that light, but maybe real, there's a real heartbreak there, and you think, now's the time that God's really calling me uh, to do something else, or maybe it's starting over in your marriage, not with a new marriage, just starting over in your marriage. And saying, okay, God, this isn't comfortable, but I know you've called us to be together or starting in ministry. Whatever it is, I know that God has a calling on your life. Say amen to that. Amen. I want you to follow that. But the truth is, it's difficult to follow God into the calling he has for us. And, and so it begs the question, why is it so hard to follow God? Is anybody, why is it so hard for me to just, if I know this is the divine direction God's called me in, if I'm trusting the process God has for me, why is this so difficult for me? And I think this is it's true for me, maybe it's true for you. For a lot of people, it's the start that stops you. Write that down. It's the start that stops you. It's the, st it's the start. It, the, the wise man said, you'll never finish something you don't start. Like it's, it's, not, it's the start that stops you. It's just the thought of, well, I've got to start and I don't know the, how to get off this couch and start. I've got to, I got to, I got to I, to start that business. It seems so daunting. I can see three or four steps away, but I don't know, I don't know what the first step is. And, and, and so we never, we never fully get started doing what God's called us to do. And so we never realize the direction God's called us in. And now we're frustrated and it was the start that stopped us. The, the, the old saying goes, all is well that ends well. It's not true. All is well that starts well. All is well that starts well when you're following God. All is well that starts well. If you want to get out of debt, and, and here's, here's the reason, because this, this is what happens in my life. You want to get out of debt, and you have an experience that I started the process. You know, we wrote down the budget. We made the plan. And the day we both agreed through many tears not to shop at Target as much as we have and not to eat as much Chick-fil-A as we have, maybe that's just me, uh, then that day is the day the car breaks down and it blows the whole budget. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so you think to yourself, you think, well, I every time I start, I think about that bad thing that went wrong. Is anybody know what I'm talking about? Or, or if you're trying to get in shape and you think I'm going to start a diet, all of my diets usually start on... Monday, and, and so I'm going to start a diet, you know, next Monday, we're coming back to church, I have put on my COVID-19, come on somebody, and so, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm starting a diet, and, and, and you remember the last time you started one, and you worked out for two weeks, and you only ate iceberg lettuce, and ice chips, and you gained two pounds, you know what I mean, and you're like, oh, I'm the only person who can gain weight on lettuce and ice, I'm the only, and so, so you get convinced never to start again. You get convinced not to begin. It's just too hard to start. And I want to encourage you today, and I want to give you the faith to start. The faith to start. And I want to wrap it around the Old Testament story of somebody that probably in the next several weeks, I'm going to turn into a series over the summer. I hope to bring a series to you about a guy named Nehemiah. So God uh, tells the Israelites, he has this uh, relationship in the Old Testament, if you're new to the Bible, he has this relationship with uh, the Israelites where he's constantly saying, I want you to obey me, and they say, okay, God, we're going to obey, and they turn their hearts away, and then there's judgment. Okay, okay we're, we're repenting, we're coming back to God, we're going to obey, there's blessing in the obedience, and then we turn our hearts away, and now there's, and now there's hardship. And, and, they're, and they're in this vicious cycle, and one of those cycles 
uh, they had disobeyed God. So there's no blessing of God there. They're worshiping false gods. And so God allows the Babylonians, uh, the, 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 the nation of Babylon, to not only destroy Israel, but he actually takes the kingdom of Israel and all of its inhabitants captive. It's actually called, in, in Jewish history, it's called the captivity. They are in captivity in Babylon. There's a whole generation there. And the Babylonians utterly destroyed most of Israel, especially the capital in Jerusalem. Jerusalem had so much uh, 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 personal connection to the Hebrew people. There was so much there, specifically the temple and, and, and the way that they worshiped God. And then, and then the walls around the city, the protection that God had for them. And at the time that we pick up the story of Nehemiah, the walls of Jerusalem have been down 140 years. 140 years since, since the walls have been destroyed. And, and, and they've remained down. And, and honestly, it leaves the remnant of Jerusalem embarrassed, frankly, that we couldn't build back the, these walls in 140 years. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever looked over your life and thought, I should be further than I am right now? Yeah. I, I, should, I should have accomplished this. And you think back over your life and think, man, that was my chance to start. And I don't know why I didn't start it then. And then, and then now I've waited too long to start. And, and so the, the, the Hebrews are in that sort of feeling like we're embarrassed. And we're, we're vulnerable because there's no wall around the city. And we're embarrassed that we never started. And word gets to Nehemiah who is part of the captivity. He's actually made his way up. He's a Hebrew, but he's made his way up in, uh, in the Babylonian court to, to the position of cupbearer. Now, that sounds really impressive that, you know, well, you could be a slave, but you, you're a cupbearer. Man, that sounds like a you know, big deal. But the truth of the matter is the cupbearer to the, to the king of Babylon drank the wine. Every uh, cup of wine that was put in front of the king of Babylon, the cupbearer had to taste first to make sure it wasn't poison. Now, some of y'all was down on tasting the wine first until you realized every once in a while some joker just drank and then fell out and the king was like, I need another cupbearer and more wine. That's not the right one. And so this is his job. Like every single day at the office, today could be the day I drink poison and, and I'm out. And so... Nehemiah is in this position and he hears about the Bible says, I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but he hears about the walls in Jerusalem are still down. And he feels that embarrassment of why haven't we done anything about this? And, and he has this sort of aha moment that I hope you have uh, this week in this message, that something has to be done. Something needs to be done or better said, somebody has to do something. Somebody's got to do something. It's what I call, if you're taking notes, it's what I call a divine burden. It's a burden that comes from God that, you know, I don't, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. I just know I don't feel right about that. I just know oftentimes a divine burden from God reveals divine direction from God. Uh, somebody's got to do something. Somebody's got to do something about this. Somebody's, I, we got to do something about this. Uh, you know, our, our, our family tree is constantly in this cycle of relationships that are broken. And, and somebody's got to do something about that. Or there's poverty generationally in our family. Somebody's got to do something about that. Or just in my family, you, you know, I, we're, we're just working, you, you know, from, from sunup to sundown and never getting ahead. And something's got to be done. Or maybe it's something God puts on your heart for broken 
broken or, or, or people who are lost or hurting and something's got to be done for that. It, it, it may be that God would put children on your heart. And you think, well, I've already raised kids, but maybe God's calling you to foster a child. Maybe God's calling you to serve in kids ministry to help raise future world changers. It's that divine burden that you get from God that, man, somebody's got to do something about this that connects you to divine direction. Am I making sense? Connects you to divine direction. Maybe, maybe it's somebody's got to do something about marriages. Maybe you've walked in, in a broken marriage and you know the hurt and the pain that that comes through and God's healed or restored or given you a, a marriage that's healthy and maybe God's calling you because of that divine burden in a divine direction to start a small group that mentors young couples and, and helps them in their early years of marriage or, or maybe there's this divine burden for the broken and the disenfranchised and the marginalized in our community and God's calling you to get involved in an outreach project which, by the way, if you haven't downloaded the Serve app, that's the best way to do that. And you can get involved right now and say, man, somebody's got to do something about this. Somebody's got to do something about people who are lonely in this season and feel forgotten in this season and need hope in this season. Are you there? Say amen. amen. I just can't shake it, Nehemiah says. I got to do something. Somebody's got to do something about this. Now, here's the problem with somebody's got to do something is often God will answer your prayer for somebody to do something by calling you to do something. <laughs> Let me say it better this way. Most of the time, you're the answer to the prayer that you've prayed. You could be the answer to the prayer that you've prayed. It might as well be me. And Nehemiah sort of has this, it might as well be me moment. It, it, it might as well be me. If the, the walls are broken down and, and I feel this embarrassment and vulnerability for Jerusalem, it might as well uh, be me, but I'm just a cupbearer. Now, now, Nehemiah, listen, he's in the palace. I mean, I, it sounds like a great night every night drinking wine, and that's, that's the whole job, but he's not a GC, everybody. He's not a, he's not a builder, you know what I mean? He's like me. I got two hands, but neither one of them are handy. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just, I can't do much manly things uh, except call people who can build things and do manly things. So well, how do I start? What, what in the world do you do? And, and how, how, do, how do you move? And maybe that's what you're feeling about the divine direction you feel God's calling you to. So how do I start? What do I even do about this? I don't, I don't have any skills to be able to do that. Or I don't even have the knowledge to do that. Or I don't even know where that came from. I just feel this divine burden that I feel like unlocks this divine direction in my life. What do I do? And Nehemiah, his life sort of walks through what I think is a step-by-step uh, way that you can see what to do next, how to just start. So write these down if you're taking note. Number one, Nehemiah, the first chapter, he takes it to God. Nehemiah takes it to God. Matter of fact, all of Nehemiah 1 is a prayer to God. The first thing Nehemiah does when he feels this divine burden from God is he, is, he, is he goes to God. He takes it to God and he says, God, is this you or is this that burrito I had last night? You know? God, is this you or, or, or did I just get emotional because I saw, you know, this TV commercial with these dogs that are in cages and I just want to, now I want to rescue dogs in Jesus' name or whatever, you know, like, is this you or is it not? And he prays this amazing prayer and I don't have time to read it all to you, but he says, you know, Lord God of heaven, you're a great and awesome God. I want you to listen to my prayer. And then he says, I confess my sins. He actually, the first thing he says is I confess our sins. And then he says, including my own sin. I, I, don't, I don't know this. I, I'm just going to read between the lines here. I think what Nehemiah probably meant to say there, and probably if you were listening close to his prayer, it probably went something like this. God, I've been thinking about this for a long time, 
and I just hadn't started. God, you've put this on my heart a long time ago, and I'm, and I'm sorry that none of us did something about what you told us to do. I'm sorry I didn't say yes when you told me to do this a long time ago. We've acted w- wickedly towards you. And then, and then Nehemiah reminds God about the promise that he has. He, he says, I want you to remember your promises, and I want you to give me success, your servant success, when I go talk to the king. King Artaxerxes is the king in Babylon, and, and I want you to... I want you to give me favor with the king because I'm going to go ask him for permission to leave the palace, take workers, and to go rebuild the wall. And I actually want him to fund it. Come on, somebody. Like I, I, I'm meeting with a potential investor and I need some help. First thing you got to do if you feel that divine direction from God is take it to God. Pray about it. And so Nehemiah does. He takes it to God and he does it. The Bible never says, and God says, Thou shalt go. Or, I mean, there's just not, there's just, he just takes it to God and then he goes straight to the king. Chapter two is a conversation he has with the king. He just, he, he asks permission and the king's, he says yes. The king grants him permission. God has obviously answered his prayer. He softened the heart of the king and he lets him go back to Jerusalem. So, so how do you do this? How do you, now what do we do? So, so this is the other position I get in. Sometimes I feel like I heard from God. Now I talk to God about it. I feel confirmation. And then I tell people and I'm like, well, now what I do? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and being in leadership, it's really bad as a pastor because I'll say, man, God's going God's gonna to do something amazing. And then people go, what? And I go, I don't know. I'm not sure. I didn't think that far. I just went to God and he said, yeah, I'm going to do something amazing. And then that was it. And, and, and and so how do, you do, how, do you, how do you start a women's transitional home for women who are coming out of prison or off drugs or out of, out of a battered situation? Well, you, you start by starting a women's small group, just a small amount. Or how, do, how do I start a whole men's ministry that changes men's heart? Well, you start by being a godly husband. How do I start a business doing what I think God's called me to do? Well, you, you got to start a business out of debt, so pay off all those student loans. Let me say it to you this way. The second step, I think... That, re- that you'll see in Nehemiah's life, the first thing he does is take it to God. The second thing is you got to start small. Start small. Start small. Zechariah 4 and 10 says it like this. Do not despise these small beginnings because the Lord rejoices, listen to this, to see the work begin. I love that. You know, what make, you know what makes God rejoice in your life? It is not a completed task or completed ministry. Uh, uh, okay, God, I, I presented everything to you. That's not, the Bible said He rejoices that somebody finally started something. That you finally did the thing I've been telling you to do. That you took the first step. That you, that you did it. And, and He rejoices over the work beginning. That the work actually got started. It's kind of like when my kids started walking. You know, when your kids start walking, if, if you've got babies, you, you know how this is. Or if you've got grandbabies, you know how this is. Your, the first few steps are kind of like a drunk Frankenstein. You know what I mean? I mean, they're just, they're everywhere and they're, and they're you know, hobbling everywhere. And my kids are kind of low to the ground, whatever. And so they would fall, they would fall all the time. And, but every step they took, we would celebrate like they'd ran a marathon. You know what I mean? And every video we have, you can hear us more than them cheering and clapping and you're doing it and they're really not doing it it's really feeble and they're barely making progress but I'm cheering on that they started are you with me everybody the Bible says God rejoices that you that the work begins Nehemiah I'm thankful you just somebody did something that you started start with what 
you've got. Start small. Well, this is impossible. I've never built a wall before. Let me back you up. Listen close. Every step that you see the completed wall had a step before it that was smaller than a completed wall. Let me say it like this. Before they were working on a wall, they had to fight opposition. Step. Before they fought opposition, they had to rally all the people to build the wall. Step. Before they rallied people to build the wall, they had to investigate how we're going to build the wall and where's it going to go and do we have the materials. That's a step back. And if you step back before that, it actually says when they all got to Jerusalem, they waited three days when they got there. That's a step back. And then before that, they had to travel from Jerusalem uh, to Jerusalem from a, a, a city in Babylon called Susa, which is about 850 miles by donkey. <laughs> Every step back. And before they had to travel from Susa to Jerusalem, he had to pack his bags and leave the palace. I'm just telling you, there's just, there's just a small step. Everybody sees a completed wall. You don't know the small steps I took to get here. Just taking steps along the way. But, and, and before that, he had, to, he had to pack his bags. Come on, he had, to put his, he had to get a suitcase and put his underwear in his retainer. Come on, somebody. And his, and his toothbrush. And, put, put that, I gotta, and, before, and before that, look, before that, he gathers all the priests and the officials and the nobles. Like there's always a small step behind. And this is what he says in Nehemiah 2. He says, then I said to them, the nobles that I gathered. This is actually the first thing he does. After he talks with the king, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. So come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem that we will no longer be in disgrace. Verse 18 of Nehemiah 2. I also told them about the gracious hand of God on me, how God answered my prayer. The first thing I did. And how, how what the king had said to me, how he was kind to me and generous to me. And then they replied, catch all of this language. I just told them, guys, I'm not sure what we're going to do, but we're going to take a step. We're going to start small. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. Let's just get, let's just get to it. I think there's people waiting on you to take the first small step. Let's just start rebuilding. So they began this good work, the Bible said. I still don't know the details. I still don't have all the answers. How are we going to build something? I have no idea. Is there going to be opposition? You bet there's going to be op There's a certain amount of uncertainty we have. There's a predictable amount of opposition. Come on, everybody. I just know this is going to happen. But you don't have to have faith to finish. Write this down. You just have to have faith to start. You don't have to have faith to finish. You've got to have faith to start. Pastor, I, 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 don't know, I don't know how I can move that much. I don't know how it could go that far. I don't know. It's, our, our marriage is so broken. I can't imagine it healed. You don't have to have faith to finish. You just have faith to start, to call the counselor, to write the budget, to enroll in the class. You don't have to get all the way to graduation. You just got to start. You don't have to have faith to finish. You got to have faith to start. When we started City Hills, we had no idea where we would start. And Brandy and I moved here with our two babies and didn't know a soul. When I say we didn't know anybody, we didn't know anybody. And we started walking around a particular building in our town that we thought was the building we wanted to start our church in. And I remember prayer walks around that building. And, and I'm not even going to tell you where it is because I don't want you to think I'm stupid. But, but 
we never held one, we still have yet to hold one service in, in that building. We didn't get it. And, and we got another school that we had no idea. It was hard to get to. It was behind two other schools back off a, a, a beaten path. It was, and it, was, it was an elementary school and it smelled like seven-year-old boys. And it was just, and then we moved to a movie theater where we spent now three years in a movie theater. We had no idea how to get, and now, now here we are again. And, and I'll be frank with you, we're praying and walking again. Saying, okay, God, we don't know what's next. We just, we, we got to start. We'll st we started small and we'll start again. And we just got to know what's next and what do I do? Uh, it, I don't want to start small, Pastor. That, that's not who we are. We're people of faith. Listen close. Starting small doesn't mean thinking small. Starting small doesn't mean thinking small. If you want to do something big, you got to think big, but start small. You got to be comfortable. So many people, they the, the, it's the start that stops them because all they can see is the big and they can't see the small start. So I want you to think big. I just want you to start today. I want you to think about the whole city surrounded in a thick wall. I want you to think about the prospering of Jerusalem again. I want you to think about a thriving economy again. I want you to think about the temple being rebuilt. But I just want you to start with the next conversation. I just want you to start with the, the conversation with the king. I just want you to start with gathering tools. Are you there, everybody? You understand? Just, you got to start. Just because just you're starting small doesn't mean you're thinking small. I want you to think big, but start small. Here's the third thing. Write this down. You just got to take the next step. You just have to take the next right step. You just got to keep walking in the right direction. So Nehemiah's now on site, gathered people. They're trying to rebuild this wall. Nehemiah's on a ladder, rebuilding the top part of the wall. Verse 19 of Nehemiah 2 says that Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard about it and they mocked and ridiculed us. Let me, go ahead and just, let me go ahead and warn you like I have been warning you. You're going to have haters on your way to the promise God has for you. It's, you, can all, you can just decide now, I'm not going to get distracted by them. And so they said, what, what is this that you're doing, they asked. Are you rebelling against the king? They had no idea the king had given them permission. And I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start Rebuilding. It's the same exact sentence that the people said to him. It's just step by step. It's just the next right step. It's taking this do something. Just take the next step. Just, just decide today, I'm going to lead a small group this fall. Just decide today, God's really put this on my heart. It's this, it's this divine burden that I think is opening up this divine direction in my life. Just decide today. I don't know how, I don't have any idea what it's going to become, but I'm going to, I'm going to do my, I'm going to take the next step in front of me. Are there going to be people who tell me, I can't believe you started school in your 40s? Yes. Are there going to be people who tell me, I can't believe you started a business after you retire, after you retired at 25? years, 30 years in that industry. Yes. Are there going to be people who tell me you're too old to foster children? Yes. Are there going to be people who tell you this is the craziest book idea I've ever heard? No one's going to buy it. Yes. But if God has put it on your heart, Nehemiah, just do the thing God called you to do. Just have the faith to start. You never finish what you don't 
start saying amen to And they did. And they did. And they built that wall in 52 days. I wish I had time to preach it all to you. Maybe I will this summer. They built that wall in 52 days. A, a modern marvel, honestly, of engineering and history. The wall was up, but listen close. They had only started to rebuild Jerusalem. Here's what I, here's what I got to leave you with today. The final thing I got to tell you is the next step isn't the last step. So the wall's up in 52 days, but now we got to rebuild the economy. Now I got to get people to move back and rebuild their homes. And now we're going to rebuild the temple that where we can worship God. And now, now, and, and some of you are talking about coming out of this pandemic and what are we going to do next? And what's it going to look like? Let me just encourage you. The next step doesn't have to be the last step. It's just going to take you in the right divine direction. It's just taking you where it's in the direction God wants you to go. God has never been interested in you getting perfection. He's always been interested in your direction. Just making a step forward. Just doing the thing that God is directing me to do. He's put this divine burden in my heart. And I know that it's the divine direction that God has called me to do. Somebody's got to do something about this. And so God is calling you to just keep moving forward. So do this part and then do this part. And then rebuild the wall and then rebuild the temple. And then call everybody back and then help rebuild an economy. And then go back to work and take night classes. And then, and then finish one semester and sign up for the second one. And then finish one year and pay it off and sign up for the next year. And just, and just keep, 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 your, keep your nieces and nephews a few nights and make sure you don't kill them. And then call the foster agency. Come on, everybody. Like, just, do, just keep taking the next step. Galatians 6 and 9, last thing I'll leave you with and then I'll pray. Galatians 6 and 9 says it like this. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, God, I wish I had time to preach to you about the proper time. There's a proper time in your life. And if you got what it is you thought you wanted too early and it wasn't the proper time, it would destroy, you would, you would kill it, you would destroy it, it wouldn't be right. I'm just, I'm just there's a proper time for a miracle. God, I, I, see, I'm getting ready. I already got a crowd and I'm getting ready to preach again. There's a proper time. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest. Here's the last part. If we do not give up, just taking the next step. Just start small. Be faithful with small. Play when you're hurt. Come on, somebody. Get back on the field and just start all over again. Get up when most people stay down. Do something when you feel like doing nothing. And do not grow weary. Dream big and start small. But most of all, just get started. All right, bow your heads. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you that um, there are people church this weekend who feel that divine burden. God, I know that you're, that you're over the last several weeks, you've already put some things on our hearts that we're trying to make decisions about good decisions, the divine direction that we're seeking from God. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name, the people in this room and the people who are joining us for church online this weekend, that you would connect the dots in their mind, that somebody's got to do something about this. Oh, maybe it's me. God, I know when they say maybe it's me, there's fear and anxiety and worry and how and, and, and we don't have the money and I've never done anything like that, but I'm just praying for a start small kind of spirit. 
I'm praying for people who are willing to just take the next step and then the next step. I'm praying for people who are willing to get back up even when they get knocked down, who are willing to push through discouragement, who are willing to say yes when others say no. I'm asking you to help people start, not to abort the dream before they ever get started. Let today be a day of new beginnings, I pray. I pray a new beginnings prayer over every person in church online this weekend. God, I pray that you put new dreams and new, new visions in their heart. I pray you give them a new vision for their relationships, their finances, their children, their families. God, this epidemic, this pandemic that we've all lived through has a way, fear and the enemy has a way of draining out our hope for the future. But in Jesus' name, I speak life and future and open doors and new beginnings. God, I believe you're opening doors. I believe that you're giving us divine direction, that you're showing us which way to go. And our answer is yes, I'll do something. I'll take a step. I keep your eyes closed and your head bowed. And maybe you're in church this weekend and you think, man, I want that. I want that kind of connection to the purpose of God in my life. But the truth is you can't have a connection to the purpose of God if you haven't given your whole life to God. That's the new beginning you need today. The Bible says it like this, that, that everyone that's in Christ is a new creation, that you're born again, that all the old of your life has passed away and all the, all the life that you have now is brand new. The new has come into your life. That's what God wants you to have today is a fresh start. And if that's you, whether you've never given your heart totally to God, never surrendered, or it's been a long time and you've walked your own way and you're ready to make a fresh start, pray a prayer that sounds like this today. Everybody, everybody in the room and everybody at church online, Lord Jesus, I give you my whole life today. My past, my mistakes, my sin, my present, my future, my hopes, my dreams. Forgive me, cleanse me, save me, and give me that new life, that new beginning. I'll follow you every day in Jesus' name.